The following audio is from Two Pillars Church, a gospel-centered, missionally-focused church located in Lincoln, Nebraska. More information about Two Pillars Church can be found at www.twopillarschurch.com. All right, no condemnation, great news, right? This morning, the, listen, we, we live in a world that is just chuck full of condemnation. And this morning, the Word of God comes to us and it, and it says to us gently, calmly, non-anxiously, confidently. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I mean, how refreshing is that? <laughs> I want you to think for, for a moment, um, think for a moment with me about all the sources of condemnation in our world. Uh, intellectual condemnation. You don't know enough. Uh, performance condemnation. You're not doing uh, enough. Identity condemnation. You are not enough. Political condemnation. You're on the wrong team. Ideological condemnation, where if we don't agree on issue X, Y, and or Z, it's over, right? Condemnation is the gospel of cancel culture. Now, there's also religious condemnation. The sort of shaming and and guilting, a way of using the Bible to to motivate people by guilt and and to, to motivate people essentially to behavior modification, using the Bible. Some of you were raised in that. It's like gum on the carpet of your soul that no matter how hard you scrub, You cannot get it out. We really fight hard against that junk here at Two Pillars, right? Moralistic, legalistic condemnation, that's got no place in the church of the real Jesus. No place. Beyond all those sort of, you know, external sources of of condemnation, there's also internal ones. All kinds of internal ones floating around inside of us, isn't there? Self-condemnation. I mean, think about, think about parenting. <laughs> nothing, nothing really reveals our inability or our deficiencies quite like parenting. I haven't met an honest parent yet who doesn't feel some of the time, if not most of the time, like a failure. Okay? It's so humbling. It's so sanctifying. And, and some of you in this room right now, when the illustration that I used was that of parenting, you felt an entirely different condemnation, didn't you? When life hasn't turned out the way that you thought it would. When that relative asks again, this year during the holidays, single folks, if you're seeing anyone, When life gets hard, when suffering comes, and you're tempted to think, when it's so easy to to convince yourself, God must be punishing me. There's all kinds of little self-condemnations brewing inside of us if we slow down long enough to acknowledge and examine them. And then there's the enemy. Who, who loves to whisper in, in your ear and, and in mine when, when we lose it again or when you don't even meet your sort of your own new low bar, you know, expectations for your spiritual life. When he whispers to you, you are a loser. Who do you think you are? You call yourself a Christian. 
What's he doing? He's condemning. And we're spiritually silly enough to believe him sometimes, aren't we? When you begin or continue to dwell on past sin, whether that was 20 hours ago or 20 years ago, and listen, sexual sin seems to be one of the number one offenders in this category. Our enemy loves to remind us of past sexual sin, and he will try to use that to condemn you through shame and get you to go just on a big old guilt binge trip. So that you'll keep it hidden away where it festers and rots from the inside out. Instead of simply bringing it into the light, confessing it as sin, receiving forgiveness and grace, and, and gently walking out repentance. Doing that in an environment, right, of no condemnation. Condemnation is, is just, it's everywhere. It's in the air that we breathe. And in fact, it's, it's so much a part of the cultural norm that we live in that we almost don't even recognize it sometimes. And then there's the book of Romans, which tells us actually of an even deeper, stronger condemnation because of sin. Because of God's law and our inability to keep it, our inability to, to please Him, our, our inability to perfectly obey Him, perfectly worship Him, perfectly trust Him, perfectly honor and glorify Him. Paul has said in Romans 5 verse 18 that one trespass, okay, just one, it wasn't even our own. Just one trespass, the first sin, Adam's in the garden in Genesis 3, the one trespass has led to condemnation to all of us. And just in case the doctrine of original sin is a difficult pill for you to theologically swallow, right? He's gone beyond that and also listed out all kinds of ways that we sin, all kinds of ways that we fall short so that none of us have an excuse. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wrath of God, he's told us in Romans 1, is being revealed from heaven against all of that, against all of us. The wrath that is owed due to the condemnation that we deserve for not perfectly keeping God's law. We all deserve it. We deserve God's condemnation because we're guilty. And yet, in his mercy, through the finished work of Jesus and our being counted as righteous before God through trusting in Jesus and being justified, this new declaration comes, no condemnation. This is the greatest news that has ever come into the world. When, when no condemnation settles in, in your soul, it feels like coming home to a place that you've never been and yet somehow have always belonged. That's what I want for each of us this morning. No, no matter what you lugged in here with you, no matter what kind of condemnation load you lugged in here with you this morning, what I want for us, each of us this morning, is to come on home or to celebrate the homecoming of no condemnation. Look at Romans 8, verses 1 and 2 in your copy of the Scripture with me. Or, or even you can just look up here on the screen with me this morning and let's actually read it out loud together, nice and slow. Nice and slow. There is, therefore, now, no condemnation 
for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. All right, some questions. Number one, what does it mean to be in Christ Jesus? That's really important. Number two, what does no condemnation mean, and how is it possible? And number three, what's the significance of this little word that Paul adds in here, now? What's the significance of the now? First, what does it mean to be in Christ Jesus? This is, this is extremely crucial, okay? Not everyone is in Christ Jesus. And the good news of no condemnation applies, only applies, according to Paul, to those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 verse 1 does not say, there is therefore now no condemnation for anyone. It doesn't say there is therefore now no condemnation for everyone, regardless of what you think about Jesus or how you respond to him. No, it says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so we don't want to undercomplicate this verse. We don't want to undercomplicate it and come out with some kind of universalism where everyone everywhere will be saved in the end from the wrath of God. That's not biblical. I would actually contend that it is a lie from the pit of hell used by our enemy to try to prevent people from trusting in Jesus for their eternal salvation. Jesus himself has said in places like Matthew 13 that at the end of the age, the angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them, that's the evil ones, into the fiery furnace, those who are not in Christ. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He says in Matthew 25 that when he returns in glory, when Jesus returns in glory, there'll be a great day of judgment. And some will hear the words, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So just so we're all on the same page, right? Hell's real and it's hot. You don't, want to, you don't want to go there. Jesus himself describes it as an eternal fire, an eternal punishment, a fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And those who are not in Christ when he returns will experience eternal condemnation there. The wrath of God. Now, I know that's not popular, right? I know there are people who would like to condemn me and cancel me for even teaching it. But all all I'm doing is reading the Bible to you. All right? These aren't Todd's words. They're God's words here. And you should fire me as a pastor if I ever stop teaching what he has to say, especially on an issue as crucial as your eternal destiny. Faith in Christ is required to access the benefits of Christ. And without true faith in Christ, without being in Christ, there remains condemnation. We cannot, we must not undercomplicate Romans 8, verse 1. Additionally, though, we must not overcomplicate it either. Look, look at it again. Paul, Paul doesn't say, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are awesome. He doesn't say that, does he? He doesn't say, There's no condemnation for those who don't have any doubts anymore. 
He doesn't say there is therefore now no condemnation for super Christians. You know, those who are killing it and even have the Instagram followers to prove it. No, he simply says no condemnation for those who are in Christ. What does that mean? Well, to be in Christ is to be united with Christ. It's what theologians call the doctrine of our union with Christ. Okay, so when you are saved, when you are justified by grace through faith, like we recapped last week, you're also united together with Jesus. And one of Paul's favorite ways to describe this is to say that you are in Christ. You are in him. He is in you. You are united. And because you are united with him, Everything that is his is yours, especially, notably today, his righteousness. But also things like we've looked at in Romans 5, peace with God, access to the Father, hope for all eternity, and right now, today, no condemnation. You've been united with him in his death, meaning his death on the cross counted for you. You've been united with him in his resurrection, meaning you have been raised with him to new life. You're in him. You catching on? You say, well, how do, you, how do I know if that's true of me? What an important question. The answer is the difference, literally, between heaven and hell. And not just in the next life. It's the difference between a life of living heaven or a life of living hell here and now. How do you know? You know? Do you have to pass some kind of behavior test? Hmm? Do you have to, is there a Bible comprehension exam? Or do you have to demonstrate like a 30% decrease in sin over the last 90 days or something like that, you know? Do you have to give so much money or so much time to the church or, or have such perfect attendance for so many months in a row? No, none of that. How do you know? Well, Romans 10 gives us the answer. And if you're here this morning and, and you're not sure, Romans 10 tells us how to know you're a Christian. And Romans 10 tells you, if you're not a Christian, how to become one. Are you ready? Paul writes in Romans 10, starting in verse 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you, it doesn't say might, it doesn't say probably or odds are, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, put right with him. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. If you're not in Christ, and you want to be. That's the way in. If you want to know if you're in Christ, because you're not sure if you are, this is the test. Are you looking to Christ? Do you believe that Jesus is Lord? Do you believe that God raised him from the dead? Do you believe that? That's it. That's it. And you might say, well, what about all these things I still feel condemnation for? What about the fact that I, I still sin? Well, let me put it to you really practically. We were talking about this in my gospel community this past week. If, when you read Romans 7, 
Okay, right before here in chapter 8, if when you read Romans chapter 7, where Paul's wrestling with the indwelling sin that's still in him, you know where he says, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't do what I do. I, you know, I, I don't want to do what is wrong, I, but goodness gracious, I do it anyway. If that puts into words better than just about anything else what you experience deep within you, and if you can read the rest of Romans 7 and agree I delight in the law of God. I, like, in my inner being, like I really do, I actually want and desire to obey him. I actually want to know him better. I actually want to know how he wants me to live. But there's this war that's going on inside of me. I believe that he's Lord. I believe that he rose from the dead. But there's this war inside of me. Man, I'm so wretched. But thank God for Jesus. I'm putting all my hope in him. He's the one who saved the wretch like me. If that describes you, if you can say those words and really believe them, you're a Christian. You're in Christ. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't look to your faith or your progress in the faith to know if you're in Christ. Your faith is not in your faith. It's in Jesus. I'm not saying that you won't make progress. You will. I'm not saying that progress can't reinforce your assurance it sure can but your our progress is also extremely fickle in the christian life it's up and it's down it's not linear it's more like a roller coaster and if you look to your faith in that dip to know if you're saved to know if you're in christ you're going to come back up with condemnation again And so by all means, examine yourselves for evidence. That can be extremely helpful. But your faith is not to be in your faith. Your faith is to be in Jesus. It's not in what you're doing or have done. It's it's, it's in what he's done. And if you believe in him and what he's done, Paul says in Romans 10, you're in. You're in Christ. Listen, if that's you, it's time to be done with all the hyper-introspective, torturous self-analysis. You're in. Hear the word of God this morning declare over you, if you believe in Christ and that he raised from the dead, you're in. You're in Christ. This is the greatest declaration that you can ever hear. It's the pinnacle of this life. It's the pinnacle of death. And it's going to be the pinnacle of everything all the way on into eternity. Nothing matters more than this. Are you in Christ Jesus? And for those who are in Christ Jesus, Paul says, there's no condemnation. What does that mean? How is it possible? This is point two, and we'll get into this more next week when we add verses three and four to verses two, but but verse two tells us there's no condemnation for or because, why? The law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. That's a lot of words. It's a lot, right? So, but listen, you were under the law and couldn't keep the law, right? You were therefore owed condemnation. But as one who is in Christ, you've been set free from all that. The Holy Spirit is ruling in your life now. You're no longer under law, but under grace. He's guiding you. 
He's the spirit of life. He's stirring you to walk in holiness and obedience, not out of obligation to the law, but out of love to the Lord. If you're in Christ, the Holy Spirit has come into your life. He's regenerated your spiritually dead heart. He's made you alive again, born again. You've been set free from the law and therefore the condemnation that follows it. Verse 4, teaser, is going to teach us that the condemnation that we deserve, remember we're all guilty and deserve it. Verse 4 is going to tell us that the condemnation that we deserve, Jesus took it all on himself. And remember, you're united with him. You're in him. And therefore, he took it all on for you. All of it. All of it. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If I were you, I'd take your Bible home, right? And add some batteries and and some wires and rig up a big flashing neon light around that little two-letter word, no, right there before condemnation. No condemnation. None at all. Paul doesn't say, he doesn't say there is therefore now less condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because Jesus didn't say from the cross, you know what, it hurts and so I'm going to come down and I'll come back and take care of the rest of it later. That's, that's not what he said. He said it's finished. Once and for all. And when you believe in him, when you trust, when you are justified, remember, united together with him, the once and forever nature of his finished work counts for you. Here's what that means for us believers in the room. There is no condemnation and there's never going to be. There never can be. There's no condemnation for us at all. Listen, it doesn't exist anymore. (laughs) It was all poured out on Jesus on the cross. All of it. If you are in Christ, you're not under condemnation right now, and you will never come under it again. There's no condemnation left for you to come under. Nothing can ever bring you back into a position of condemnation. This is really important to understand. You're not out from under condemnation one week and then back under it the next week. The roller coaster has been flattened out here. You're not out from under it when things are going well in your spiritual life of holiness keeping those spiritual disciplines you promised back in January, but then back under it again when they're not going well. If that was the case, guys, we'd have to reword Scripture. We'd have to rewrite Romans 8.1. I'm not going to do that. Are you? No, Paul is saying that in Christ, you have been taken entirely outside the realm of any possible or conceivable condemnation. You can't go back in. It's impossible. The condemnation doesn't exist anymore. Jesus took it all on and all away. If you are in Christ, you will remain there. Jesus said so. No one's going to snatch you out of my hand, he said. Remember? You're in him. What he has done is counted as yours, and it's always going to be. 
You're in him forever. You're in him for all eternity. Which means there is not, never will be, never can be condemnation for you ever again. Now, what's the significance of this little word now? It's, you know, as I was thinking this week, it's, does Paul, is, is that word really necessary? Is it actually needed for Paul to, to make his point? Isn't it enough for Paul to say, in light of everything that I set up in chapters 1 through 7, there is, therefore, no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Why does he add now? Well, Sanctified speculation here, but probably because this truth is really easy to memorize and really difficult to internalize. We need it now. And when we read it tomorrow, we'll need it now. Tomorrow's now, right? And 10 years from now, we'll need it now. 10 years from now's now. And, you know, just minutes before Christ returns or calls you home, you'll need it now. That now. In other words, it's always true for those in Christ Jesus because now is always now. For those in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation now. Look, I mean, right now. Look up here. Right now, he says. Not an hour from now. When you've managed to give yourself, you know, a spiritual Sunday morning spanking and gone home and committed your life to trying harder and doing better this week. Not tomorrow if you've had a chance to say some prayers and read the Bible some more. Not next week if you've had a chance to reconcile things with that person, that brother or sister in Christ that you're at odds with. Not three years from now when you've made some demonstrable progress against lust in your life. There is therefore now, Paul says, now, 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 no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Right here, friends, right now. None. And now is always now. Which means, when you sin later this week, or this afternoon, not willfully, that's not who you are anymore. But we all sin. When you do, you're not back under it. You don't cease to be a Christian when you sin. Not if you're in Christ. You do not come back under condemnation when you sin. You're not cast out if you sin. You don't have to do spiritual gymnastics or confess to a priest to avoid further condemnation when you sin. That's not how the gospel works. I mean... Let's have some respect for what Jesus accomplished on that cross. Martin Lloyd-Jones is my favorite 20th century preacher. Um, he, he famously said, most of our troubles are due to our failure to realize the truth of this verse. Most of our troubles. It's really easy to forget. It is extremely easy to disbelieve. To lose track of this truth and the reality of this verse and to drift back into believing the exact opposite. That's why we need it now. Right here, 
right now, there's no condemnation for you, Christian, and there is just never going to be. Now, you might have some work to do, right? I mean, Paul doesn't say there is therefore now no work to do for those who are in Christ Jesus. In fact, in Ephesians 2.10, he says the exact opposite. He says, we are his workmanship created, guess how, in Christ Jesus for good works, which the gospel prepared beforehand so that we walk in them, right? We're going to walk in these good works. He doesn't say there is therefore now no need to read the Bible, okay? No need for you to learn or to grow or, or to develop biblical convictions that shape your ideology and your ethics and all that sort of stuff. He doesn't say that. Nowhere does it say, there is therefore now no need for you to continually root your identity in Christ. You're going to need to do that every single day. Romans 8.1 is not a free pass. It's not a pass. It doesn't say that there is therefore now no need to obey. He doesn't say that there's therefore now no conviction by the Holy Spirit for those who are in Christ Jesus. I've checked all the translations, can't find a single one of them that says there is therefore now no repentance for those in Christ Jesus. When you sin and you feel like a failure and you look up from that bloodied spot on the battlefield that we talked about last week and you see Jesus holding up that big, bright, beautiful banner that says no condemnation, you need to know two things. Number one, Conviction is different than condemnation. Conviction is actually a generous, merciful gift from our Lord. It's the Holy Spirit working in your life to bring about change and holiness. The second thing you need to know is that no condemnation doesn't equate to no repentance. This isn't a pass to live however you want and be a jerk for Jesus. In fact, if that's how you live, if that's what's really in your heart, you're not actually in Christ. This verse isn't even for you. You can live a life of no condemnation and still have a lot of repenting to do. A lot of maturing to do as a Christian. Growing in holiness. Growing in prayer. Growing in, in putting on the armor of Christ. And fighting back against sin and temptation. And the whispers and the shouts of the devil in your ear. Growing in how you relate to others. Or even talk to yourself. But listen. Even in the growing. We come back to this. We come back to it. Now. Even in the midst of repenting, even in the process of growing and maturing and changing, ugly as it is, hard as it is, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now. Right here, right now. In fact, only when you have the, the firm bedrock of no condemnation under you, can you truly give yourself freely to growing and obeying and trusting? Free from the condemning shame and guilt that wants to come your way when you find yourself again in the Romans 7 war. Without Romans 8 verse 1, without it deep into your conscience and your soul, 
every command in the Bible, every command, there's a lot of them. Without Romans 8, 1, every command in the Bible, every exhortation from a pastor, every sermon application point, every encouragement to read the Bible, to pursue Christ through spiritual disciplines, listen, every Christ-centered, loving admonishment, and certainly every loving rebuke will feel condemning. But with Romans 8.1, there's never any condemnation for those who are in Christ. You've been set free from the law of sin and death. You're free to live and love and grow and fail and grow some more as you walk by the Spirit all the live long rest of your life until Jesus comes again and pronounces with finality, eternal finality over you. No condemnation. Enter into the joy of your master. Thank you for listening to this audio from Two Pillars Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Two Pillars Church, please visit www.twopillarschurch.com.